0: We are in chapter four of John, First uh, John now. Um, I would have had the verses on the programs today, but our printer has a spirit of rebellion, and I couldn't get it to work. <clears throat> but we are going to be First John, chapter four, verses one through six today. One through six. Um, It might be interesting to have somebody read those verses if they would like um, and see if the translational differences between the NASB and the NIV, which you guys have. Does does anybody want to read those? Okay. Dear
1: friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and you overcome him, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not have does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of falsehood.
0: Thank you. So there's a couple ways of looking at these um, these sets of verses. Um, yes, it's going to be talking about spirits a lot, and we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but another way of looking at this is that really it's, it's, talking, about, it's really talking about doctrine. Um, it's talking about a source of false doctrine in one section, and in another it's talking about the need for good, solid doctrine in a person's life. So these first couple verses could really fall under that source of false doctrine. <clears throat> so we're going to go through these uh, line by line here and see see exactly what they mean. So in that first verse, and mine will sound a little bit differently, uh, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now we... This should be familiar because John has talked about this in, I can't remember which chapter now, it's either 2 or 3 I believe. So, this is not the first time that John has talked about these false prophets. But this just really emphasizes the fact that in John's time, specifically, they had a problem with false prophets. You know, it hadn't been that long since Jesus had ascended, and yet already we have people coming around with a different message. Because a false prophet really is a person who is spreading false teachings or just false messages in general about Christ or about the faith. And while, all the while they're doing this, they're claiming that they speak the Word of God. So that is the problem that John was having then. And I mean, really, we, we still have it now. It's not to say that we don't. So, John's emphasis on this really is just to to inform people, to, to really tell people that you should not assume that every spiritual experience, every power that you witness, every message that you have heard, that they are from God. You shouldn't just automatically assume. You're supposed to test these things, and that's what Scripture tells us to do. Because if you don't, you just kind of sit there in that state of awe because you're believing every single thing that you hear. You know, that leads to a really easy mindset to have deception. So, there's an example of this, in a couple of examples in Scripture talking about this. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith." And this is not of yourself, this is a gift of God. Now, why do I bring that up? Because let me let me go through this verse real quick and you tell me what you think. Okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, this is the gift of God. So I could take this scripture and I could just really go off the, the rail on here. You know, I could talk about how, how God has specifically, this is written to me, He has specifically saved me. I don't know about you guys. Um, this is a gift. He's obviously given me. I can do whatever I want with it. You know, I can take a birthday gift and I can still go be a bad person. I can do the same thing with this. So you can create some really wonky messages with Scripture. And if somebody doesn't know any better, if somebody doesn't test these things, then they could think that you are telling the truth. And that's just one verse. I mean, you can pick any verse and throw a bizarre meaning on it. So the church has an obligation to itself, the congregation, the body of believers worldwide. I mean, we have, a, we have an obligation to check things so that we don't fall into these traps of false doctrine. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 14.29 it says, Have two or three prophets speak, and have others pass judgment. And then in First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, verse twenty through twenty-two, it says, "Do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything. Hold to, hold firmly to that which is good, and abstain from every evil." So God is telling us that we must test things. We must test them with the Scriptures because this is God's word that He has given to us. He's not going to contradict Himself. that's where that discernment that God has given us comes into play. When you're close to God, you're going to to hear a false teaching and you're going to think something's a little off. So all prophecy, all teachings, all those things, they are all judged by the standard of Scripture. Messages, experiences, anything. wanted to add a verse here to read uh second peter one twenty chapter one twenty through twenty one also talks about this it's a really good one here because it says but know but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation, so we do not have the um you do not have the, the the top view of what scripture says scripture interprets scripture when you read it it will tell you what it's saying but if i come through like i said with that verse earlier and give some weird belief on that i'm giving my own interpretation of what scripture is saying and that's where people just get led to very strange roads so let's uh let's go to verse 2 and 3 here <clears throat> Excuse me. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. So the key here is that true prophecy. True messages, true teachings are going to tell you about the true Jesus. Isn't every Jesus true? No, every Jesus is not true, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But in John's day, like I said, they had problems with this already, and they weren't even a hundred years out of Jesus having ascended. In John's day, they had the problem of, did Jesus really come in the flesh? That was the thing that they were fighting about back then. The Gnostics said, no, it was something else. He couldn't have really put on flesh. He wouldn't have been part of some impure body. That's what they said. Now today, our issue is that people deny that Jesus is God. So we've kind of flipped it. So like I said, John's time... They didn't have a hard time believing He was God. They just had a hard time believing that He could have come in the form of man. <clears throat> so they had a semi-false teaching. Like I said, they believed that He was God, but didn't believe He was man. So they already had the spirit of Antichrist going because those two things are inseparable with Jesus Christ. The reason He can be our mediator is because He came and took on a body. That is why. So it was really bad that this was already coming into the, into the, the body of Christ. <clears throat> so, how do we know that when somebody says something like this? How do we know that when somebody says, well, Jesus came, He was in a body, but He wasn't actually God. He was just another person. We have our books. We have our doctrine that has been established. We have 66 books in our Bible. Okay, 66 books, 783,000 words inside there, 31,000 verses. Now, it's not just, oh, we have a big book, so that makes it true. This book has made it, for the New Testament only, has made it 2,000 years and has has remained virtually unchanged. Show me how you could do that ever with anything. We can play telephone right now and the message will get very weird by the end. The Old Testament is even farther. It's even older. They have copies going back to what is it like 6 or 7000 BC where they see the same scriptures in there. So God has maintained these scriptures for us because that's not something that we could have done. Not with that many copies. There are there's 5700 copies of the New Testament. And yet we have the same message in every one of them. It's very strange that we could have done that on our own. <clears throat> but these tell us, our scriptures tell us of the true Jesus. God has spoken, and we have an objective standard in that book in front of you. <clears throat> so if somebody presents a false Jesus, it's going to be, he is going to be untrue. To the scriptures, and that person talking to you is a false prophet. Uh, you ever watch? Usually about Christmas time or Easter, you'll see the specials coming on on like different cable news channels. You know, discovering the the real Jesus. You ever see those before? They usually have them at least once a year. And when they say discovering the real Jesus, the true Jesus, they mean the Jesus that doesn't. Exist in your Bible. They don't accept that. And so they're looking for something else. That is that spirit of Antichrist. So in short, they want what everybody else is always wanting. They want that subjective Jesus. That Jesus that that fits to their feelings and what they want in their life. And that's not how it works. God is objective. <clears throat> so like I said, we went through a lot of this and it was John chapter 2. I had my note here. So that's where we first talked about Antichrist. Where that true Jesus is taken away and they give you a substitute. Something different. And guess what? Here's the, here's the kicker, okay? The devil, spirits, your sinful nature, they don't care if you worship Jesus, they don't care if you worship Jesus as long as it's that fake Jesus. You'll never see the devil bother you if you're worshiping a fake Jesus because you've already done what he wanted you to do. And there are fake Jesuses around. Let's get some real life examples we can, just to give you an idea here. Let's take the Jewish faith. Usually we go pretty easy on them because they are the originator of our Old Testament. But the Jewish faith does not recognize Jesus as being divine. They do not recognize Jesus as being the Messiah. And it's a shame because Jesus Christ, Christianity, all of that is is the culmination of Judaism. But they can't see it. So they don't... Worship the same as we do. They don't even have Jesus. <clears throat> we have cults that, and that is the definition of a cult, is that warping of, of Christianity. We have cults that change Jesus around. Everybody's familiar with me, unfortunately, talking about how the Mormons do this. You know, they say that Jesus Christ was the firstborn of spirit children in heaven, created by the Father and His Heavenly Mother. That's what they believe. They worship a different Jesus. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they will tell you that Jesus Christ is created, and not only created, that He is the Archangel Michael, and that He is a lesser though mighty God when stood next to the Father. Islam denies that Jesus Christ had any deity. He was not God to them they say it's blasphemy that he says he was the son of god and they say that he did not die on the cross that god put a uh, a an image on somebody else's face so that people thought they were crucifying christ but really it was another person and then we have of course you know atheism which worships itself and subjective morality and denies the existence of any God, but especially Jesus Christ in America. So the devil loves those, those Jesuses because they are not the real Jesus. They don't save you. So we have to stay away from the false Jesus. That's why this section of Scripture is really trying to tell you that you need good doctrine, you need good beliefs, you need to go to the Word of God for who God is, for who Jesus Christ is, for who the Spirit of God is. This is where you check it all the time. So verse 4 here. uh, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. So there are a lot of antichrists. We talked about some of them. You should have no fear of antichrists because you have God in you. You, If you have that communion with God, you have that spirit of God in you, you have all of this in your life. How could anybody corrupt you? How could he? How could anyone? God is greater than anyone. Any entity, any religion? <clears throat> this is really important. You know, even on those days when you have a bad day, everybody has those bad days, when they get home and they go, well, oh, i hope I hope God comes back to be with me because I sure messed it up today. The fact that you even think about that, you're thinking in a repentant manner shows that God didn't leave you. God is always with you. When God comes and makes a home in you, He doesn't just do it temporarily. There's not a short-term lease. You guys are together forever. And that that is our source. That is our resource. That Spirit of God in us. That is where we are getting our assurances, our wisdom. Because it takes wisdom to understand the Bible, right? You can read the Bible in just an academic manner and really not understand what you're looking at. You get that wisdom of God in you and you start understanding these spiritual aspects. And you don't guess on if you're saved. <clears throat> if you were born again, you were saved. Nothing, nothing pains me more than when I hear somebody say, well, I hope I make it. hope I make it in. If you're God's, you're God's. Okay? your sins are not greater than God's grace when you have come to Him. That is why it doesn't say that you're going to overcome in these Scriptures. you notice how it says there? uh, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. You have, not you're going to. You've already won when you were with God. That's the point of that there. So who is this world, though, that the Scriptures keep talking about? This is going to be a little remembrance as well. This is a part of of 1 John where it really references back to things that John already said in the earlier chapters. So this, when it talks of the world, let's let's go back to chapter 2 for a second, and verse 15 through 17, where it talks about this world. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. So here John is giving us a specific version of who the world is when he's talking in this epistle. He's not just talking about the general earth or all the population of the earth. He's talking about that sinful group of humanity that is rebellious against God, that has not come to God. That's who he's talking about. Those people that are living in deliberate sin and deliberate defiance against God. So when we talk of the world, that's the message there. And God is saying that He is greater than any of them or any spirit that leads them. Because just as it said back in Genesis, the darkness can't comprehend. It can't overcome those who the light is living in. Let's go to verses 5 and 6 here. And then we'll finish out. We kind of have a short sermon today. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world. The world listens to them. We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, we talked about who that world is. Who those people are that John is referring to here. And he is saying that the world only understands the world. It doesn't understand the words of God. If you want to see the world on fire, you want to see their speech, turn on the TV and look at, a, look at an LGBT rally. Look at an abortion rally. Look at a Senate confirmation. I remember watching a Senate confirmation hearing, what was it, maybe two years ago, and Bernie Sanders was grilling this guy who was trying to get some government-appointed position, and the guy was a Christian, and Bernie Sanders was appalled. He said, do you believe that everyone outside of your faith is going to hell? And the guy said, I'm a Christian. I believe what the Bible says. And he said, this this is reprehensible. We can't have somebody like this in Congress. That's what he said. So, kind of funny because most religions would take that stance of people outside of their faith. But if a Christian says it, this is the worst thing in the world. I cannot believe you would say that somebody has to be aligned with God to go to heaven. So the world doesn't understand the things that you say when you say Jesus Christ says He is the only way. There are people who claim to be Christian who will say that Jesus Christ is not the only way. That is not what the scriptures say. You can have that view, nobody's going to force you to change it. But guess what? You didn't change anything that God said. Okay? And you'll have to take it up with Him because that's the ultimate judge. <clears throat> Why do they talk like that? Matthew 12. Talks about that. Jesus says in verse 34, he's talking to the Pharisees at this point, but he says, You offspring of vipers, how can you, being evil, express any good things? For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. This is completely in line with everything that we go over in Scripture. When a person hasn't been born again, they don't have that goodness in their heart because God is that goodness. And He is not there yet. So they can only speak with what is in them. That's what Jesus says here. So the world listens to people who speak worldly messages. And if you notice, they don't really reject them. They don't. That's why when we hear a Christian message... We have to be a little skeptical if the world quickly accepts it. I can't even snap my fingers anymore. I have arthritis in my middle finger. (laughs) That was really impressive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we have to be skeptical because if, if the world just openly accepts a Christian message, is it really Christian? I mean, maybe it is, and maybe all these people are are being born again, are seeing the light, have had their hearts softened. That would be one very good message, though. I would love to hear it. So we have to be able to recognize, like I said, when somebody is speaking truth or if they are speaking their truth. Unfortunately, that seems to be the, the big thing on college campuses nowadays. Everyone has their truth, not the truth. And if everybody has their truth, there is no truth. It's all subjective. It's all opinion. So, what John is basically coming down to at the end of this Scripture here is he is saying to us that the one who is not from God, he has an error in his or her thinking. But, it's not an elementary error. It's a spiritual error. Because it's not about education. You can meet somebody who has been in seminary their whole life or meet somebody who has just really opened up the book and they can both have the same error or they can both be correct on the same thing. It's a spiritual thing, not an education. Education does not make you a Christian. It's having that spirit in you that is interpreting the Scriptures for you. Doesn't matter which line, what which position you are in intellect. <clears throat> so a spiritual issue is what is affecting if somebody has good God-affirming doctrine here. That's what John is saying at the end. So we have to have that spirit of truth in us. We have to cling to who? To Jesus Christ for that. Who he's always been. He was in the flesh, what He did on the cross, what it means that He rose, and what He does for us now. Those are things that we have to cling to with Scripture as our guide so that we don't come up with some crazy ideas. His Word will tell us what those things are and what they mean. They're there for us to read. We just... Nobody can make us. We have to do it ourselves. We have to pray ourselves. Nobody can pray for you.